Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Kareen Eldor. Ever feel like you're playing small? Well, turn up the volume on my podcast, Share a Voice. Every Thursday, I sit down with the wave makers and game changers on everyone's radar. I'll be sharing inspo and takeaways based on my conversations with disruptors, visionaries, and compelling creatives about how they express themselves in their work. Prepare for tons of mic drop moments and subscribe so that you catch every soundbite. I'm fascinated by the power of feeling heard and taking up space. And I'm amped up about sharing these conversations with you. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing episode five. Today we have an incredible guest, my very own beautiful sister, Nandini Ramakrishna. We call her Nandu in the house and you are known as Nan in the Caucasian world. Welcome, Nan. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you for being here. I know you're extremely busy. What was it like being the middle child? We are three years apart. I am 36, you are 33. And our little brother is 25. What was it like? You're kind of just there, you know, like decoration, just to fill space. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. I mean, like our brother had a lot of attention growing up. And I think they were very strict with you. And then I was just kind of in the background. So what was it like? I mean, you're just kind of, you have two people taking the attention away from you. So you kind of can get away with more stuff or just doing nothing. (laughs) 
And that's something I love to do. I think me and you, our fights were over why you didn't have to do anything. But I think now looking back, you were just highly intelligent. You were like, I'm not fucking doing it or I don't know how. And then people just stopped asking you to do chores. Yeah, I don't remember really, yeah, like having to do anything much other than maybe like on the weekends, we both had to like clean after mom cooked. And that was so we could learn how to clean. It was fake cleaning because we had a cleaning cleaning. lady. Yeah. And I guess I did so little of it because I like hated it. But while I was doing it, I thought I was like Cinderella. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) cleaning. And then I would go to school and be like, you hate washing dishes. I love washing dishes. And people would look at me like, are you fucking insane? Um, And I think it's because we never had to do anything like during the week. It was always on the weekends. It was like pretend like acting. Yeah. So I, I never had to like pick up anyone from school like you did, you know, And then you took on, you took the onus of like being a second mom to our brother. And even though that was the promise I made, like when mom said she was pregnant, you were like, I want to kill myself. I hate you. You're disgusting. I was so mad. I was like, oh, I'm so happy. And then the kid came, (laughs) Vic, our brother, and it switched. The roles reversed. So for people who don't know, my mother had my brother at 36, which is, Funny because that was her third child and I'm 36 now and I don't even have one. But yeah. my mother had our brother at 36 and I was 11. And I was devastated. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you bringing in mm-hmm. another kid? Because, you know, I was an old soul. So I was like, what about the Ferrari you're going to buy me? <laughs> now we can't get yeah. one because you're having a third child. And then you were mm-hmm. ecstatic. Except when my brother actually came along, I was the ecstatic one and you were just devastated. I think I was just like, okay, this is weird. I I think months before he was coming, I started to realize like I would no longer be able to sleep in their room when I was scared. Like I was no longer like the baby. Yeah. Someone took that place. And then I didn't really know what to do with the kid. I was what, eight years old? It's it's funny Mm -hmm. because unlike most normal families, we slept in our parents' room till we were in high school. I don't know what's wrong with us. We would all sleep with them. I think, well, that sounds really creepy and weird, right? (laughs) Like some country business. We are creepy and weird. But I, you know, (laughs) I've thought about this a lot. And I think we did that a lot because dad used to travel so yeah, much. Yeah, 20 days out of the month. And he was gone. So mom would always let us sleep in her room. And in a way, now when I look back on it, I'm like, was it also comforting for her to have us all there? I think so. Even though she shouldn't have been playing those Lifetime movies when we were <laughs> like seven. That's oh when God. I learned what incest was because of Lifetime. <laughs> like, why is the uncle liking the niece? Like, this you know, or yeah. we were watching anyway. a lot of rated R shit on Lifetime shit, since yeah. we were like on a eight weeknight. years old. It was like on yeah. a Tuesday. Yeah. Because but we slept that's with why mom. We, yes. And then when mom always told me that she'd always let us never locked the door to her room or shut the door because her parents would lock the door so she wouldn't sleep with them. And she said she remembers being so scared at night and thinking to herself, if I ever had kids, I would never do that. Right. So 
just some interesting info there. So I will say you were the middle child at home and at school, I don't like when people use this word, but I think you were bullied. You were bullied. Yeah. Hmm. Well, compared to you, I was never, and this is still true, I've never been as popular as you or, you know, or as successful in like making friends as you. And as a child, you always want to fit in. You just, I, I mean, I hate to be so hard on myself, but I think growing up, I never really had one stellar quality that, you know, stood me out. Like as a girl, if you were very pretty, very thin or very athletic or very smart, like you had something going for you. But I think I was kind of below average at everything. And I'm not really sure why, because I, I think that, you know, we went to great schools when we lived in Jakarta. We always had, I always had a tutor. I always had, went to a good school, but bullying happened, but I was not physically bullied. No one beat me up in the playground. We went to a Christian celebrities. Yeah. I hear celebrities talk about how they were pummeled and they were like, you know, it's typical child stuff. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) if someone beat me up, I think I'd be even worse than I am. We beat each other up. You know, we didn't get to school. We were beating each other up in the house. Yeah. Me and you. We were. I remember we shared a room, even though we had enough rooms to have our own room. We shared a room. I don't know why they threw us all in a room, even though we had plenty of rooms. Maybe they wanted us to learn the value of money. I don't know. Yeah, I think you were the only one who, you and Vic got your rooms the earliest. I think even well, when I, I got enforced, my room, I just left. I just left and told mom, fuck off. I'm moving to a new room. No, when you had your Laura Ashley room. <laughs> Laura Ashley yeah. room. Guys, yeah, that you know was Laura Ashley. Room. It was a beautiful room mom yes. made for you, like had done for you. I And then in my room, it was supposed to be my room, but there were two beds in there. <laughs> it yes. was like, Always expecting like Vic or someone to be in the bed, but it was anyway. I remember the denim wallpaper and stuff. Remember Myrna? She did the yes. decoration for that room. So my mom yeah. would hire these random interior decorators every <laughs> other month. Community college. Yes, <laughs> and they would community. they would yeah. literally go to Joanne Fabrics and buy denim and cover our walls. Yeah, and it with like cowboy. Was it like cowboy? Oh my god! Right, we had the star, the glow in the dark star ceiling. We had all of that nonsense, but we went to a Christian school, so your bullying was, I guess, mild. But you were bullied. Yeah, I have to say, I was bullied, and it's affected me till it it affected me till my adult life. I would be lying if I said that. In therapy, I haven't brought up stuff that's happened. you know, in my childhood. Yeah. So there was a lot of. I think the most significant bullying experience or the more most impressionable one was there were two uh, one of them was being called a lesbian yes I which think can that be traumatic did me a lot traumatic for I didn't know what a 12 a year old was yeah yeah I think I was in fifth grade that yeah. grade I'm not sure how old you are in fifth grade but it was extremely traumatic because I never knew what that I didn't know what gay was gayness was I didn't even know what sex was t- till a lot later So that was traumatic. And then I think another traumatic experience was when a neighbor of ours that we were friends with started school with me. And it was like very obvious people would call her and tell her not to be my friend and, you know, things like that. And 
that does something to you when you're a kid and you just want to fit in. And But I feel like having grown up and listening to more people and moving out of the town that is Miami that we live in, yeah. you learn that many people go through these things and it, it actually builds character. And I have to say, all that weird stuff I went through, like the bullying, I think it's given me an ability to be very empathetic, which is very handy in my job every day. So... It has its pros and its cons. What is your job? So I'm a speech language pathologist, but unlike most speech therapists, I don't work with children or kids. I work with the geriatric adult population and I work with people with multiple medical problems. So medical diagnoses like Parkinson's, stroke, muscular dystrophy, like many different diagnoses. I work with patients who are working through them or trying to overcome something like that on their speech, their voice, their swallowing, their language, their cognitive skills. I work with a lot of Okay, Nan, you got the job. You got the job. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm just describing why empathy would come in handy. I'm trying to tie it together. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. because of your experiences, to me, you are the listener in our family. You listen to all our nonsense and we all rant to you, which can be exhausting. Yeah, I think, but I I think I am a lot more introverted in general. So it's actually easier for me to be the listener. It's something I do better, even though I talk a lot of trash sometimes, you know, I do like to listen and I sometimes like to give my two cents, you know? Yeah, because yeah, we've I do like to, I do messenger. that at work too. You've been the messenger and we've been mad at you for listening to all yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah. So we were raised in the same home. We went to the same Christian school. You went to a Catholic school and then you went to college. And I'd say the difference between me and you, I only date Indian guys, but you are open. You're open-minded. I think I had to be open-minded. So the first boyfriend I ever had was in in college. I hope our parents are not listening. I think dad's standing outside my room door, but continue. If they are, well, the present is what's most important, right? Right. Bygones be bygones. And I think they should be kind of happy that I took some, you know, initiative of my own and tried to make things happen for myself. Instead of being this awkward 30-year-old who's never (laughs) been with anyone. Anyway, not that there's anything wrong with that. You do you. I was doing me at the time. Anyway, so my first boyfriend happened to be a very cute guy, extremely good-looking, At that time, I had lost a lot of weight and I was, you know, just a lot of firsts were happening. I was 19 going on 20 and he just didn't happen to be Indian. We don't live in a place that has a lot of Indians, you know. There was that, but that was very brief and it was like a crush kind of relationship, like nothing significant. But how exciting. Your crush likes you back. I've never had that happen to me in my life. So that's, I think that's what it was. It was. If you, if you put yourself in my situation, I had never had anyone like me in high school. I had crushes in high school. My crushes knew about him, but they weren't happy about me liking them. They had other crushes. So I was, had this group project with this guy and he ended up being really nice to me. And I was weirded out by it. I was like, this seems like he likes me, but what do I know? And then a year and a half later, he always kept in touch and he finally asked me out. So a year and a half later, that's that's a long time. Yeah, I probably manifested that. And he was not Indian. He was not Indian. He was Hispanic. And then I think I realized in that 
relationship, I guess, we dated for six months, that you could be with somebody that was not of your ethnicity or your culture and still get along perfectly fine. And you hid that relationship from... I did. The police, mom and dad. I did. I did. Yeah. I think they probably, I remember getting in trouble for coming home really late. Like I remember dad being in the kitchen or like, dad was always still in the kitchen, hon. Yeah. I would always uh, come home like around one 32. Uh, Mind you, I was 20 at the time and I had to lie about where I was going. I did do that. You were at Starbucks uh, till 3am. Or like I had, the thing is I had friends who I would spend so much time with. So it wasn't uncommon, you know? Anyway, so yeah, I I would hear, I remember the minute I'd walk in, I'd be like, oh crap. And I'd hear the footsteps coming downstairs and then I'd get yelled at. Like, where were you? Do you know what time it is? We couldn't sleep. I'm giving you a very toned down version of what I got. You guys don't need to hear the dysfunction. But, you know, I will say we just had very strict parents, which is very common in our culture, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember being 30, for example, I was turning 30 and I wanted to go on a vacation to Europe for my 30th birthday with my boyfriend at the time. And mom and dad like flip shit. And I went anyway. But that's just an explanation of kind of how strict our parents were. If it were up to our parents we would still be virgins. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think at this point, like, I think everything happened. I think, I don't think anyone thought about the repercussions of raising kids in America too much. I think they thought they could control the environment. But I have to say, I don't know why. Maybe we get it from both our parents. We're all individually very strong-willed. And we've never just followed blindly what they do or what they say. We've always questioned and tried to figure stuff out for ourselves. So in our own way, we're trying to carve, you know, our own futures and not blindly follow whatever they do, because that's what you do when you have a thinking mind or a brain. You use it and you think for yourself and you do things with caution. Like nobody was having sex. Like, you know, nobody was doing things that could give you an STD. I'm still not. I was literally, yeah, in my childhood. I was literally, I think my relationship as a 20 year old would be a relationship an 11 year old is having or a seven year old is having nowadays. You know, well, the kids nowadays, I mean, you go on TikTok. That's why I said seven. It's terrifying. Seven. The seven year olds look 16 and the 16 year olds look 35. I don't get it. I don't get it. But. So now, obviously, the podcast is called Currently Cringing. And you moved to L.A. You're a speech therapist in L.A. And Yes, I am. You know, I was in the 12-year relationships, but you've dated. You've dated people and you've, you know, experienced this. And I haven't. So I kind of live vicariously through you. And And you're cringing. I'm cringing. (laughs) I'm, I'm fucking cringing here. From all the stories. It makes me want to, your stories make me want to stay in my room. Well, you're, I think you're a bit more of an elitist than I am, right? Oh, absolutely. I have my nose up in the air. Yeah. So I'm not saying mine is six feet under, even though some of my choices would indicate such. But, um, you know, I think with me, I really started dating when I left home. And I think I felt like I earned it. Yes. Not that anyone needs to earn this right, but I felt like I earned it because here I finished grad school. I 
gotten my first job. I'm moving to, I always wanted to leave Miami. So I did that. And I was going with like, as corny as it sounds, like the good blessings of my parents and my family. It was a good time moving to LA. Everything worked out. We were so excited for you. I was, I was so excited and ecstatic. And I was so open and ready, but I was very clear that, okay, I, I was what, 27 at the time, I think, 28. And I was very clear that I was dating for long term. You know, I had never been in a very serious relationship and I had never done anything very intimately with anyone like that, you know? So yeah. I was up there in age and I was ready to experience stuff that a normal human being would want to experience, which is love, it's a commitment, it's a companionship. Anyway, so I move here and I don't know anybody. There's no contacts and I do what everyone's doing, which was all the rage at the time, which is online dating. But I didn't, I did like the apps on the phone, like Tinder. I didn't start with Tinder. I started with Bumble, you know, because the girl has some like some autonomy on who she cho- chooses and Bumble's all that. So a little I with Bumble. So I hear. Yeah, I, yeah. I started, but you'll still meet the same percentage of fuck boys on Bumble. Let me tell you, the same fucktards are on <laughs> that are on Bumble or on Tinder and on Dilmil, which is the Indian Tinder. Yeah. These people are, you know, all over Everywhere. the place. Yeah. So I was focused on dating Indian. And um, I wasn't too particular about what type of Indian, but I would have preferred a South Indian like me. But I, I know that, you, you know, it's hard. There's, you know. Anyway, they were brown, they were Indian. I was happy. So I matched with uh, a lot of people on, you know, the, the app. And I started dating. I guess you can start with any specific questions you have. <laughs> what was your first date? Who was your first date? Okay, so my first date, I don't even remember his name. This was four years ago, but we met at Santa Monica. And I remember he was a little shorter than me. I wasn't extremely attracted to him, but out of all the people I had matched with, he was the most like, he was the best with communicating and making things happen. He was very quick to be like, hey, talk to me a little bit, you know, through text, but then immediately was like, hey, let's meet up. I don't remember his name. I think he was Gujarati, from what I remember. We met at Santa Monica. I hate the outdoors. I hate the beach, but YOLO, I, w- I moved to LA. I was starting over, new perspectives. So we met at Santa Monica. And uh, I remember we talked a lot about life. One thing I remember is we sat on those bleachers that face like the pier and the ocean. How it was romantic. Pretty. It was very hot though. It wasn't romantic <laughs> at all, but it was platonic. And we sat on the bleachers and he asked me like, I think that what I remember is he asked me what was my favorite animal, what was my favorite color and something else. And I remember saying lion and navy blue. And he was saying how each thing represented something about your personality. Like navy blue meant I was deep. Lion meant I was attracted to someone that was like king of the jungle kind of thing. I don't know. I don't even remember. But that's like that was like the highlight of the date, like that question. I thought it was a fun, like that gives you some idea of how it all went. But this is what happened. So we both parked in the parking garage and then he wanted to show me. He was, he had studied like film. He had studied business, but then he was enrolled at UCLA film school. 
So that was, I was like, oh, okay, sounds a little bit unstable. Now, this was me <laughs> kind of closed-minded, right? This Looking is you being term. me. This is you being me this right is, now. No, this is me being Indian, okay? <laughs> yeah, this is people, me being the person my parents raised me to be. As Indians, no sharam, no shame, we're a materialistic group of people. And what is it? Can you blame us? Though? Let's not I mean, beat around the bush, okay? It is what it is. In our culture, we are raised to be pretentious and kind of marry people who make a certain amount of money. I mean, that's it's ingrained in your brain. And it's not just us, it's 90% of Indians. So when my sister says his career was unstable, that's literally what she means. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was, I think when you come from a country where so many people are poor and trying to make it, yeah. and it's like, unless you have money, like you won't, even if you're smart, you won't get into a school unless your father donates money. You know, money right. drives everything. It's how you win. It's you either win or lose in India based on your money. Money is power in and India. Yeah. So I think when you have parents, like our parents grew up, you know, pretty well, you know, middle class, they didn't want for anything growing up. But I think that you, you're you surrounded by it, you know, yes. you're surrounded, you, you step outside, you see it everywhere. So it's, that's, I think that's where that comes from. But anyway. Um, so, and our yeah, parents I, I, uh, raised us as if we were on food stamps. It, My yeah, parents were so frugal. Like, <sighs> I don't know why. They were not frugal in terms of how we lived. They were um, frugal in like the clothes they bought us. Yes. You know, like I remember mom would buy me clothes from Kids R Us, not from Macy's or uh, Burdine's at the time. Yes. It was Burdine's. Or Bloomingdale's. So I remember in, she would buy me like a $17 shirt, $15, but she wouldn't buy me a $35, $40 top. No. No. You know, anyway. So yeah, he took me to UCLA and... The crazy thing is my brother was going to school there at the time. And um, what I didn't like was at the end of the day, we spoke about like intimacy. I think he wanted to kiss me. And I said, no, like I moved. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to do that, you know, yeah. now. And I, I don't think he took it the right way. And then we had been together for like six hours in the day. It was like evening now. And he started asking me about how, much experience I have with dating. And I was very honest, you know, because I wasn't wanting to start anything with a life. Right. Anything was going to, I wanted to be myself. So I, I think the fact that I told him I was a virgin really scared him or seemed like he was very put off by this, but he, he did want to hang out again. And I said, no. So that was your didn't. first date. Yeah. That was the first guy. And then my second date, <laughs> was a very crazy experience that lasted a long time. Not the actual dating, but like the effects of it. But I have to say, and this doesn't suck if they're listening to this, but that was the He's first time I listening. saw someone. He's fucking listening. That was the first time I met someone and felt a connection like I had not felt before. And I think what's so disheartening about that experience is you ask yourself when you find out everything after, how can you connect with someone <laughs> that could have been so deceiving? You know, you start questioning yourself. Like, are we just two miserable people that connected? Yeah. You start <laughs> you know? wondering, anyway, like, what's so, my, you know, what's my intuition like? Like if I'm attracting this weirdo. 
I think what I've learned, honestly, is it's so easy to call people things like weirdo or this or that, but people are, you know, multifaceted and they have their reasons for doing whatever they do. And sometimes you like someone that's really horrible for you or the situation's a terrible situation. But anyway, this was the first time I had met someone that after getting to know, I felt like, okay, it was worth waiting. I actually remember not, and I don't mean anything about sex, you know, virginity didn't mean anything other than doing that with someone you love. Yeah. Right. That's where sex came in. I didn't want to sleep with everyone. I wanted to sleep with someone that I loved. Yes. Anyway, but that was, this is a very interesting story because this person catfished me. And I called him out on it the minute I met him. And that should have been a red flag. And it was. But ladies and gents, you know how they always tell you, listen to your intuition. It doesn't lie. I didn't want to listen to the intuition because I think I was just wanting something to work. And he was a good looking guy. He was charming. He was good looking. He was successful. It's tough. There you go. It was all that. He was like 6'1". He had really nice hair. He had beautiful skin. He wore like a, at the time, he just looked very stylish. You have to think I wasn't, I didn't grow up around a lot of Indians. And so seeing this like tall, dark, handsome man, and he had a really nice car and he was in tech and he owned his own business and he owned a house. This was all the stuff he told me. And, uh, but we connected, you know, somehow. I think I liked that there was part of him that was a little Indian that was relatable. You know, and then he was like Western enough or Americanized enough to be relatable on that level, too. But, yeah, there were a lot of red flags. The catfish. I remember I saw him and we started walking because I couldn't find him. We met at Staples Center because he sent you a fake picture. I couldn't find him because he had a fake picture on his profile. And I remember telling him, I said, hey, you're not the guy in the picture, are you? And he was honest. I don't even remember what he said, but he ended up like saying, yeah, I'm not. And then immediately he was like, we can end this date if you'd like. And I was like, well, I think it was Labor Day weekend or Memorial. I don't remember. And I was like, well, I got dressed up and I drove 20 minutes out here. So we might as well at least get a drink or something, Yeah, you know? But I said, I don't know why you would start this with a lie. And I have to say, looking back, like I was always very gutsy, you know, like I think a lot of girls would have I don't know if a lot of girls would have reacted that way, but I totally called him out on it and he owned it. But uh, other bad signs, when we did go, we walked into, what is it, a yard house. Okay. And it was crowded and he was like, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. So I was like, okay, it looks like there's a long wait. Let's go somewhere else. So next door happened to be like a fish and chips kind of pub thing. So we went there and when the waiter came, he ordered like a water and he didn't want to eat anything. And I just looked at him and I was like, this is kind of rude. You know, like, you know, I didn't think it was very gentlemanly of him. But I didn't know what animal I was dealing with at the time. So I was just like, well, I'm going to get, you know, a drink. So I think I got like a ginger ale or something. And I didn't want to order food. Mind you, I was starving because I thought we were getting dinner. Right. I didn't order food because he said he wasn't going to eat. Anyway, so we get to talking. Other red flags. He was vegetarian. And but see, the lying a, of the picture. a real man, a normal person would have just said, I'm vegetarian. Can we go somewhere else? No, the, the, the place we were at had nothing to do with his vegetarian, like nothing to do with the red flag. The red flag for me is 
I didn't want to be with a vegetarian at the time. Right. So the universe was telling me a lot of things. Like, and when I asked him, why did you put a fake picture? He said, because I have friends that use the app and I don't want them to gossip about me in the Indian community. I don't want my parents to be, you know, to know they're very conservative. And I thought I'm a 28 year old girl living in by myself. I grew up very conservative, but my parents know I'm out on this date. They know I'm on this app. They know what I'm doing. He was a 30, I think three or four year old man at the time. And I just thought it was cowardly that he had secrets from his parents. Then I got to know the full story much later. But um, that was a very romantic and volatile three months. There were moments where I was thinking, I feel like I'm out of a scene from The Notebook. Yes. yes. You know, that movie. There were moments where I felt like, am I dealing with someone who's bipolar or very insecure because he was strange in other ways? And then after that, you know, ended, I ended things. I started dating other people. But by this time, I was a little jaded. Um, Yeah. There was, I, I hadn't met any, I dated a dentist. Yes. There's, sorry, there's been a few. <laughs> I'm like, what, You're like, which who? dentist? I dated a dentist who was very ambitious and very keen on building his business. But he did a couple things that were kind of rude after our dates. Like he couldn't walk me out to the Uber. He kind of just said bye at the doorstep. And he had like this long driveway. And gross. Um, I just didn't think I was somebody that weren't like, No one deserves to be treated that way, let me say that. But especially, I felt I was kind. I was, I don't know, if I had to create a checklist, I thought I had everything. I was kind. I was intelligent. I was open-minded. I was flirting back, you know? I didn't think I, I think I deserved to be walked to my Uber. Anyway, and then I remember I, on our set, I hit my car in his driveway and he was more worried about, (laughs) I think the, the, I don't know, it was like a brick wall. He was more worried about the wall and my car had been badly dented because he lived on Mulholland Drive. And so he lived in a house that went up, a, had like a like a driveway that went up, like an uh, elevating driveway. I don't know what that's called. A hill. And um, He lived on a fucking like hill. Like a hill. Yeah. And I had to reverse because he was scared that the owner of the property would complain he was renting that I was blocking the owner's car. And so I moved my car and while moving, I ended up hitting this brick wall that wasn't even full length. It was uh, halfway. And he was, he was in the Uber already while I was reversing. I have to say, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of the Indian men or South Asian men I've dated, and I've predominantly dated South Asian men here in LA, they really need a lesson on how to be a gen- how to be gentlemen. I think you're not really the only need one. A lesson. You're not the only one. Yeah, I, I hear think it they all the really, time. they really need a lesson on how to be chivalrous. I remember when he heard me hit, you know, the wall. He didn't care about my car or me. He was like, "Oh my god, the wall!" And then after the fact, he was like, "Are you okay?" And then I just told him, "Hey, can you just take over and do this?" Then, like you know, because he still wanted the car moved. And I think the Uber driver even made a comment about how he should have been, he should have done it in the first place. Like he should have moved the car in the first place, given that there's no light, it's on a hill and it would have been the gentlemanly thing to do. And I don't think the Uber driver was being like sexist about that. I think he had a point. The night gets worse. We go to a bar and then some guy, I don't know if he drinks too much, but he collapses on the floor and everyone's freaking out. He's this young guy. And 
as far as I'm concerned, I'm with a doctor, right? I'm with a dentist. Yes. And he just no, a dentist is um, worse than a doctor in our culture. So no, it's not the same. I don't want to say that because I, I hate it, it how people do. I that. just said it. I hate for it you. how people do that. I just said it for you. Right, but they know about human anatomy, about the human body. I'm sure they have to know how to do CPR and stuff. I'm supposed to know how to do those things as a speech therapist, you know, and I'm not a physician. So, and I looked at him and I said, well, you're a medical professional. There doesn't seem to be a doctor here. Why don't we do or try to help or do something? And he kind of like was irritated that I suggested that. And that told me something about him. And he kind of like went there, tried to look, spoke to somebody and then came back and was like, let's just get out of here. And people were crying and screaming. I think they thought this person was like dying Dying, or dead. Anyway, paramedics came, we left, things got weird. We were in the Uber, we were quiet and he was really psyched out, like really weirded out by the whole thing. And then anyway, I ended up leaving like around late that night and he didn't walk me to my Uber. And uh, he was kind of a, a douchebag. This was like our third date. He had been kind of weird since day one. Like he made comments like, oh, I would go out for breakfast, but I'm trying to watch my weight. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I didn't ask you to have breakfast. So technically you didn't have to tell me anything. Right. And no, we didn't sleep together if anyone's wondering. The dates just ended so late that I ended up leaving, you know. Did you go on any nice a- dates? <laughs> Do you have any nice stories? I know, now? it's a bunch of horror stories. I went on nice dates, but things nothing came out of them. Like I, or like I'm not in the, I'm not with them anymore, but yeah, it's, it's always nice to date someone. I did go on nice dates, meet at a bar or a restaurant, um, get to know someone, they compliment you. They think you're great. You go to another place, you bar hop, you flirt, you listen to good music, you have a good time, you get to know each other. But I can't say I've ever, I've never been in a stable long-term relationship. So I can't say anything amounted to much. I have to say, I just dated a lot of douchey guys that I went on like one or two nice dates with. But come date four or five, you found out like this guy's a dick. Like I'm out. He had small Mm -hmm. dick energy. You got to run. Yep. Yeah. And I I really, it was a real eye-opener, you know, that I don't know if it's a South Asian thing. You know, I did go on dates with a Caucasian guy. I did go on dates with Asian guys, but I felt like the South Asians were the lowest when it came to chivalry. Makes sense. Yeah. What I want to know is now, I know we're in a pandemic. I'm not dating. You're not dating. No one's kind of, I mean, people are dating on the DL, but are you still going to use the apps or you're done with the apps? I've never been on an app. I, I haven't used the apps in over a year. It's been a very long time. I haven't dated, you know, in the past year. It's been, it's actually been two years since I've used any kind of app, dating app. I think my experiences were just, they were not great. I wasn't meeting, I was meeting people on paper who had like looked great, but when I got to know them, I didn't think they were very great people. I understand that in relationships, like you both have to have something to offer. And so a lot of the times I felt like, I was too good for these. Yeah. I hate to say that. I felt like I was too good, but they were the ones that were acting like they couldn't commit or, you know, and I'm not here to ask or wait for anybody. The minute I had had an inkling that someone wasn't treating me like 
like they say, like going after you, texting you all the time, wanting to be with you, wanting to constantly spend time making an effort. Then you just, you leave, you stop. I remember I dated some guy. I had a really great time with him. He was really fun. His name was Raj. He was a lot of fun. Like this. Yeah. He had a lot. He was very flashy. He was a fun guy. I remember he had just landed from San Francisco and then he drove from the airport straight to Pasadena where I lived at the time, which is a bit of a drive. And he wanted to get ice cream and watch Game of Thrones. And But then there were other things like comments like, well, you know, if you worked out, you'd be so hot. Or, you know, you shouldn't really have plastic utensils in your house. I remember that bothered him so much that he wanted to go to Target and he wanted me to buy like real cutlery. And it was like stupid things that didn't really matter. Like I felt embarrassed at the time, but I was thinking, you know, you had time to live in a dorm and do all this. This is my first time living alone. So what if I have plastic spoons? What's the big deal? Is that really so bothersome? You know, anyway. I mean, his name's Raj. Yeah. And anyway, so you, you meet people that are fun, that are promising, that you try to make your, you know, an effort for. I remember another horror story. I remember I was on my way to a date and I remember I said, he was making drinks and he was like, he did, he said, what do you want to drink? And I said, you know, I'm probably not going to have any drinks. I kind of have some cramps. And when I was in the Uber, he was like, maybe we should cancel because you're setting me up. He's like, you're setting me up. And this was like our third date. And I was like, I'm setting you up. I said, are you joking? I I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so I I literally told the Uber driver, like, let's go back because I just, I don't, I don't know. I think everything happens for a reason. I think I needed to meet all these people for a reason. And I think it's just to like, if you, if you, there are, there are warning signs, take them. And I mean, I should be happy, right? That you, you dodged know, that's what these my mom bullets. would always tell me. You should be, you dodged a bullet. Exactly. But I haven't dated in the last two years. There's a lot of wonderful, great guys in LA and I just haven't met any right now. I've just been really busy with work and I haven't gone on those apps because I think I still have a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> I would too. From some of them. Yeah. But I'm very glad that we are two beautiful, strong women that don't give a fuck and you're here and you're sharing your stories. That's, you know, a lot of people don't like sharing. And I think the more we share, the better. So we can relate. I think that's humans just want to know that they're not alone. And there's other people going through the same thing. You know, like I've only been dating for a few months and I can't even really call it dating because we're in a pandemic. But I've had stories where people have been catfishing me or People have left me on red and I'm, you know, I think I'm amazing just like I think you're amazing. And you're like, this isn't how anyone should be treated. And I want other people out there to know this is not how you should be treated. And I'm proud of you as my sister for not putting up with any of this nonsense. You have seen the red flags and you fucking run. Yeah. I don't want to say it's pride, but it's very humiliating when especially when you're a very like intuitive person like me, I'm a water sign, I'm a Scorpio. So I pick up on things very quickly. But when you're intuitive and you feel like someone is being half-assed about something, I'm out, like, forget it. Like you, I don't owe you a favor and I don't need any favors from you, you know? So some people might call it pride, but I think it's self-respect. Like, why are you going to waste your time with someone that really 
isn't putting in the effort that they should. And I know what type of person I am and what type of effort I would put in if I was getting that back, you know? And let me tell you, like, it's effort. It's, it's, you're respecting your date and yourself when you go home, you take a shower, you do your waxing or your shaving, you fix your hair, you do your makeup, you put a nice outfit on, clean, you're fresh, you're cute, you're pretty, you make the effort. And then to meet someone that is kind of half-assed about how they are with you, you got to know your worth. And that's the, I know I keep going on and on and on, but I think what's really important, the reason why I'm being so candid in this conversation is because I think what's so important to all of us is connection. And I want people that are listening to this, like your listeners to know that it's not okay. It's not normal for someone to be half-assed about you in any way, especially never, it's never okay, but especially in the beginning. Yeah. I, I just think it's, if you, if you think someone semi ignoring you, you know, not really accommodating or adjusting their schedule for you is normal. And that just means that they prioritize their life and their career, which is attractive. No, they need to be prioritizing you if you're that important because I've had people that I have not necessarily liked back that have really liked me and that have shown me like relentless. They don't stop if they like you. So it's there. You just, it's hard to find. And we have to change that, you know, it's not hard to find that the right time and the right person, everything will happen when you're ready. Right? When, when it's meant to when happen. It's meant to yeah. happen. And my advice to everyone is follow your gut. Listen to that little voice in your head or that feeling, that intuition that says, like, that's telling you, like, this isn't right. This isn't, something's not right here. Listen. Yeah. But thank you so much. We're actually going to continue our conversation privately and spill more tea. And hopefully mom and dad don't listen to this. But I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I will tag love my you sister. Too. But everyone, follow my sister at Nandini Ram. Don't DM her. She's a busy lady. Thank you so much, There's Nat. no underscore. We will continue our little convo. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.